unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And for the viewers that are watching on YouTube, you're wearing my favorite bright blue pinky in the brain hat today. So I feel like the brain energy juice is going to be flowing with this week's episode. It is because we've got a real brain on the show. And so you, the viewer, the listener, when you're all but done with your copy, especially long form copy, like a sales letter or a VSL script, you've got to take that one final pass to make sure everything is right. And of course, you're looking for all the numbers to add up and all the words to be spelled right, you know, if you're into spelling. But there are bigger picture copy edits to do. And I haven't heard much about them from other people, you know, in a formal written down way. But our guest today, Copywriters Podcast, O. Nathan Fraser, has a list that is going to knock your socks off. I mean it. This is good stuff. Now, what you're about to hear, top pros know this and use this all the time. But as far as I know, Nathan's the first person to write it down and organize it all in one place. And best of all, it's an addition to, or a new edition, an addition to his already very useful and extremely reasonably priced book, Sales Page Cheat Codes, which is available on Amazon. We'll talk about this a lot more, but first, I'm going to talk to you about this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need, but... If you make extreme claims in regulated industries like health, finance, business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Nathan, first of all, congratulations on the update. And you know what? I didn't really put this in the show notes, but I'm, I'm sure it'll be easy for you to answer. What prompted you to add... Well, I don't know if we'll have time to go over both of them, but you added design cheat codes and what I want to talk about today, sales copy editing cheat codes. What prompted you to add those to your book? Mainly because the initial book, How to Write the Perfect Sales Page, it was really, it should have been titled How to Write the Perfect Sales Letter. And sales pages and sales letters are a little bit different. And since I've been doing this for about a decade now, I kept running into the same hiccups over and over again with online sales. And there's different editing rules for sales pages. Bond Halbert, previous guest on the show, wrote a really good book on editing sales copy. And I didn't want to copy or swipe anything that he had written, but his book was sales letter focused as well. And so I wanted to write something specifically for sales pages since more and more business is being done online, more and more people are starting e-commerce businesses, starting their own websites. I wanted to add to the book and make it more sales page focused. And I felt like there's nobody out there that's done that, that I know of. So I wanted to add that to the book and just make it a more of a complete package for people writing sales pages online. 
I, I think it's a really good point. You know, what I started in, what Bond is an expert on, are largely, you know, sales letters. I mean, and, and that is a perfectly valid multi-billion dollar industry in and of itself. But a lot of businesses are not up for that, not ready for that. And for some, it's not even appropriate. And they're putting up sales pages and those pages suck. I mean, a lot of them are, are, are really bad. And you know what I really like about, and we'll get into nuts and bolts in just a second. What I really like about this is you weren't sitting with your equal gender power support group in a sauna divining where um, this book should go. You actually took it from the marketplace. You actually took it from stuff you saw that was hurting people's businesses, causing them to lose potential sales. And you said, okay, I'd like to offer some help for those who are willing and able to take it. So let's jump into, as I see these additional pages, and this is on top of you know how to write it in the first place, but, and I look at these pages and we're just focusing on the copy, sales copy editing cheat codes. I see three, three of them. And the first one is a form of big picture editing. You know, people always talk about keeping the voice consistent, using images, using metaphors, but you're, you're talking almost at a strategic level, but at a strategic level, everyone can understand and not some stupid consulting firm gobbledygook. I would call it big picture editing, looking at two goals, your reader's goal and your own goal. And then pretty much, if I understand it correctly, ruthlessly editing out anything that doesn't advance the the copy towards one or both of those goals. Is that right? Yeah, I think that a lot of times we get focused on what our goal is. We want to drive sales. We want to optimize the copy for sales. We want to have a, a compelling hook or whatever. For me, that's one of the main goals. I want to make sure that everything in the sales page is leading towards what I want them to do. But I'm also a big proponent of give first that which you want to receive. So if you want to receive something from somebody, if you want their attention, if you want their uh, hard-earned money, Make sure that you're giving them first what they want. And so a lot of times in sales pages, it's just completely absent. People don't focus on what it is that the reader wants. What am I going to give the reader to ask them to take 10 minutes out of their day to actually go through my sales page? What am I going to give the reader? What kind of promise am I going to make to the reader to get them to click off of Facebook or click off of YouTube and go read my sales page or listen to my VSL? That for me is always the first thing. What am I giving them? What's the promise that I'm making to them? What is it that they're trying to get? What are they struggling with right now? What are they trying to achieve right now? What are they trying to get relief from right now? I want to make sure that that is the first and foremost goal for my sales page is giving them what they want in order to get them to give me what I want. And then, of course, having it end with an open loop. I give you what I promised, but if you want more, you got to click the buy now button. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I think it also splits into two areas. Giving them what they want in, in terms of promising a result from making the purchase, but also 
giving them what they want in terms of giving them some actual value, some actual useful information or action steps or perspective. In other words, giving them what they want in, in the promise of the product is sort of like giving them hope that, oh, maybe now I can finally solve this problem or achieve this goal. But then there's giving them the immediate value, not giving the whole store away, you know, maybe just giving a free sample of, of one product. You yeah. And we're not supposed to mention this guy's name, but there was a copywriter marketer. I think he was brilliant, but he was also a little bit shady. And he wrote a book back in the day called secret cures. They don't want you to know about. And he had one of the most amazing sales funnels and the first, the whole thing, the first part, it was an infomercial and it was a bunch of secret cures that they don't want you to know about. And the one that I remember the most was apple cider vinegar for curing heartburn. But he gave you, he said, hey, I'm going to do a show on secret cures they don't want you to know about. And he went through and he gave you the confirmation that you were right. The pharmaceutical industry doesn't have your best interests at heart. You were right. There are cheap and effective ways to solve these problems that you're trying. And you know what? I'm actually going to give you a bunch of them in this presentation. And I tell you about apple cider vinegar. And I tell you about all of these, you know, I think there was three or four different ones that he listed on the show. And he, and he gave you what you came there for. He made a promise. I'm going to tell you about secret cures they don't want you to know about. He he fulfilled that promise by telling you why they don't want you to know about it. And then he fulfilled the promise by giving you a couple of them. And you left that being like, wow, I tried the apple cider vinegar and it actually worked. I'm going to go buy this guy's book. And the book was very much the same thing. It was giving you a little bit more and then having you move on to the next step, which was joining his group to get all of the real secret cures. So it was a good funnel. He was a bit advanced. But it did. It made a promise and it knew what the people want to know, what their goal is. Their goal is to unravel this conspiracy in the health industry. He gave that to them. Their goal is to find some of these cures. He gave that to them. And then once he had given them what they wanted, that's when he asked, hey, pull out your wallet, pull out your credit card and order the book. Yeah, that's a great example. We don't need to mention his name or even if he has, say, the last name similar to the Prime Minister of Canada, although I'm sure no relation. Actually, I'm not sure. I have no idea. Um, they, they look very similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the same guy, though. But, you know, one thing that gets in the way of this, there are a lot of people in this space, and whether or not they have a lot of formal education, they all seem to be graduates of know-it-all university. And... So they won't talk to customers. They will try and sell customers what they know customers want or what they think customers should want. And even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? But this is what, what you're talking about here seems to me requires probably talking to customers, getting to know them, listening, thinking about what you heard, and doing just a little bit of logical thinking to say, well, if this is what they want, then maybe this is what I should give them. Yeah, and I think that as a copywriter, we have two jobs. Our first job is to serve our client, but our second job is to serve the market. And that is, if we want to be high paid, if we want to be successful, we need to remember that 
it's not just about serving the client. It's not just about serving our needs. It's about serving the needs of the people that we serve. Yeah. So have you ever heard of or experienced somebody who wants to make a purchase that is serious to them, whether it's a little bit of money or a lot of money, but it, the, the result is very important to them and they have no objection. As soon as they hear about it, they go, oh, here, here's my credit card number. Ever hear that? Very rarely. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over a copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. We talked last week with our guest Sage and she was talking about the, uh, the Bart Simpson buyers that need the buy now button right at the top of the page, but that's a very small percentage of buyers out there. Okay. And usually probably not enough by itself to sustain um, a sales campaign. So with that in mind, um, I'm just a little bit more logical thinking in here. That means that people have objections, even though, you know, no one should ever have an objection to your offer because it's so freaking good, but they do. So the second cheat code you have is also deceptively simple like the first one focus on two goals yeah that's actually harder than it sounds but well worth the effort the second cheat code is to acknowledge and deal with your prospects objections now there are well-known ones that every experienced sales pro knows and every rookie sales person learns but you you go a little deeper it seems to me you talk about doubt not like the price is too high or Anyway, I'm not going to repeat the normal ones. Either people know them or they don't. But you talk about, and you call them vehicle doubts, self-doubts, and external doubts. Could you go through those? Yeah, and I want to give credit where credit is due. This is something that I actually learned from studying a lot of what Russell Brunson does with his webinars. Almost half of his webinar sometimes is just tackling the doubts that people might have. And they usually come down to those three. Uh, I don't know if I can trust that this thing is a good product or a good service. That would be the vehicle doubt. Then the uh, self-doubts are probably the biggest ones. A lot of times we have, it won't work for me because I have high blood sugar or it won't work for me because my body fat index or whatever is not the same as this obvious 
fit person who's using this workout video or it won't work for me because I'm a high school dropout or it won't work for me because I got face tattoos or whatever the case may be. We've all got these self-doubts. We've all got the, yeah, it worked for them, but it's not going to work for me. Those are usually the biggest ones to overcome. And then there's also external doubts. There's my wife. I won't be able to get my wife on board. My peer group will laugh at me. Uh, My boss won't understand and he won't buy into the fact that we really need this in the in the work environment. There's all these different doubts that are going on. And I've run into a lot of times, my clients just want to ignore the doubts or pretend that they don't exist. Any objections that might come up, they're like, well, we don't want to draw attention to that. If there If there's an objection, we don't want to put a spotlight on it. That just makes it even worse. Hold on. Uh, I I, want to, I want to hear your solution, but I want to just jump in here. Often when people say stuff like that, what they're really saying is I don't have confidence in my ability to deal with that problem. So I'd rather pretend the problem doesn't exist. Not always the best thing to do. Yeah. And I have found the best way to solve these is to, I use, I do two different things. Ben Settle taught me something called making the skeletons dance. Instead of hiding the skeletons in your closet, bring them out and make them dance and reposition them as a, as a benefit rather than as a detraction. So uh, a common objection you mentioned, the price is too high. Well, it's too high because this is only for the people that are at the top of their game. If you're not at the top of, the, of your game, it's not for you. It's high because I spent 15 years learning how to do this. If you want to go with somebody who only spent two years learning how to do it, fine. Save yourself some money. The opposite end, the price is too low. It's probably going to be low quality. I'm afraid it's going to be cheap Chinese junk and it's going to break when it shows up. No, that's not a concern. We actually ordered too much. We have too much. We need to get rid of it. The warehouse is full. The boss is out of town for the weekend. We decided to show some love to the people who have been loyal to us this whole time. So you've got these objections. You've got something there in the back of the mind. It's going on. They might not consciously realize that they have this objection, but it's there. And if you don't address it, it's going to nag at them, even if it's just subconsciously, and it's going to be a hurdle to get that sale. So if you know that the objection exists, don't try and keep it hidden. Pull it out. Put a spotlight on it and make the skeleton dance. And then the other thing that I really like about doing this is... You can say, hey, this is only for certain people. Some people want a copywriter who's only been copywriting for six months and only charges $50 a sales page. If that's you, that's fine, but that's not me. That's not what I do. I only work for people who really want results. I only work with people who have an an email list of at least 2,000 people. I only work with people who are constantly sending traffic to their sales page. If you're not that person, it doesn't make sense for you to hire me. So I don't want to deal with the chargebacks. I don't want to deal with refunds. I don't want to deal with, I paid him all this money and he didn't deliver the results. I don't want to deal with that stuff. So yeah, if you're having this doubt, I'm going to use it to eliminate you because I'm not trying to sell to everybody. I'm only trying to sell to people that are the right people. And so you can take somebody's doubts and you can say, hey, are you going to take the left path? Are you going to take the right path? My service is only for people who take the right hand path. And then that puts them in the position where they make the decision and you're not pressuring them. You're just saying, hey, you have two paths and it's up to you to choose. That's really good. And that means that you need to have enough deal flow or prospect flow so that you can choose. But 
once you get in motion, things do start to happen. There's a third kind of doubt called the external doubt. And I, I love this because people never uh, spend enough time talking about this. And, and a lot of people don't include it properly in their sales copy. So could you talk about the whole area of external doubts? Yeah, absolutely. And this is because we're not just selling to the person. The person that buys it is going to have to go and sell the idea to the people that are in their peer group or in their group of influence. They're going to have to they're going to have to explain to their wife why they bought a fifth copywriting course when they still haven't made any money off of the first four copywriting courses that they bought. They're going to have to explain to their husband why they went out and bought another piece of exercise equipment when they still haven't lost the three pounds from the last piece of exercise equipment that they bought. They're going to have to explain to their friends why they went out and spent their money on this when the last time, you know, I got a new hobby and I went out and spent a bunch of money on this new hobby. Man, you've got a new hobby every three months. What's wrong with you? You need to get this under control. Your your life is spiraling out. They've, they've got all of these people around them. It's not just giving them a reason to buy. They're going to have to go and justify that purchase to the people in their peer group. And a lot of times we ignore that. We don't take into consideration this person buying my e-com marketing course has to explain to his wife why he just spent another $900 on something that she already thinks is a sunk cost. And if we're not addressing that, if we're not giving him something that he can go back to his wife and say, yeah, but this one's different because now I've got this. They're going to teach me. They're not just teaching me how to write copy. They're teaching me how to land clients. So that objection that you have, I can overcome that. So we're not just overcoming the objections of the buyer. We're going to help them overcome the objections of the people in their life, the people around them. Right. And you were saying in the book, and I, th I think that's what you're talking about here, is that you actually provide those answers, maybe through a story about Joe wanted to buy this, but his wife, Marissa, said blah, blah, blah. And Joe said to her, and okay, honey, right? <laughs> Yeah. And a lot of times testimonials can do that. A lot of times a story can do that. A lot of times your own experience can do that. You can say, Hey, I was the copywriter who bought 15 courses and 38 books and my bookshelf was full and I still couldn't land a client. And that's why I learned how to go out and acquire clients. And that's what I'm going to teach you as part of the bonus. But if you don't do that, if you don't figure out what are the objections the people around them are going to have? And you don't give them a way to overcome those objections. They might be on board, but then they still have the, my wife checks the credit card bill every month. And how am I going to explain this? Yeah, good. Okay. So finally, I, I, I love this part because one of the main things I do for a living is, is critique copy from people who are really good and already making a lot of money. And I, I think I'm going to add this to my mental checklist. The third thing is, well, I, I do half of this, but I'm going to make sure the other half. You say to make sure that your copy is fun and easy to read. I always try and make it easy to read. I think I'm going to put a little more emphasis from this day forward on making sure that it's also fun. You want yeah. to talk about both of those things and how to do it? Yeah. So we live in a world of infotainment. If the news is boring, like C-SPAN, doesn't get the ratings. But if it's sensational and 
hits those emotional triggers like Fox News or MSNBC, they get the viewers. If your copy is not fun, and this is a big pain point for almost every single client that I work for, is the copy not being fun when I first come in. I'm like, this is boring. Nobody wants to read this. Even if they've got like the conversational down, even if they've got the it needs to be easy. It needs to be broken up into small chunks and bite-sized pieces and not overwhelming. Okay. I, t- time out. Cause I, you're reminding me of an experience I had. Oh, a long time ago when I worked in an office and I was sort of known for being able to crack a joke. And there was this one very ambitious, successful woman who didn't have a particularly great sense of humor. And so one day she says, Hey, David, say something funny. And, and so, you know, of course I couldn't, that's, that's a tough one. I guess when you're a comedian, you, you have a few heckler jokes that you can turn back on them, but I didn't have anything up my sleeve, but do you have advice specifically to make the copy fun things people can do to turn boring, good copy into fun, good copy? Yeah. So the first thing is have fun while you're writing it. If you're not having fun while you're writing it, they're not going to have fun while they're reading it. That's a big part of why I only take on jobs for products or services that I'm excited to promote. It makes it really easy for me to have fun while I'm writing it. The second thing is don't be afraid to add a little bit of personality, whether it's your personality, whether it's the client that you're writing for's personality, including that personality, adding some personal quips or maybe inside jokes that only the audience and the and the person that you're writing for understand. Having some of that personality in your copy makes it a lot of fun for people to read, especially if they're already familiar with, if you're writing for a warm audience and they're familiar with the client or they're familiar with the product, adding just not being afraid to kind of push the boundaries a little bit, not being afraid to include some inside jokes always makes it fun. And then the other thing is, Implementing aspects of storytelling. Stories, the reason we love stories from a good storyteller is because they're fun, they're exciting, they're adventures. And by implementing the story of how I was struggling and how I overcame it, and maybe a couple of comical things that happened a couple of times that I fell flat on my face along the way, the rough lessons that I had to learn and being able to pick myself up. All of that stuff, a, a good story is it, it, part of it being a good story is that it needs to be a fun adventure. And so incorporating that stuff into your copy, having a fun attitude about writing it, being able to incorporate personality into your copy, and then having some fun stories that go along with pushing people down the path. Those are my three favorite ways to add some fun to my copy. That's great advice. In fact, Oh, you know, I I just thought of a new hat you could wear. Nathan Fraser, strategic fun consultant. (laughs) I'm going to go get one custom made right after the show. There you go. All right. Well, this is great. And it's all part of a book that costs between $9 and $12 on Amazon, um, depending on whether you buy the physical or the Kindle copy. Is that right? Yeah, somewhere around there. I Amazon sometimes plays with the pricing themselves. I don't I don't really bother about it. You can find it on Amazon if you just go to salespagecheatcodes.com. But also, if you go to my website advertisingcheatcodes.com, I'll give you a free version of it, a free ebook version of it. So, if you want to 
get your hands on it without having to pay a single penny, just go over to advertisingcheatcodes.com and there's an opt-in form there and you can get the ebook version downloaded for free. Okay, but does the ebook version have these most recent editions? It does. It does. That's that's why I that's why I started the ebook version was just so that I could include these because the old version did not have these extra tips in there. And just before we're out of here, I do want to say that we covered one part of the additional stuff, but the other part of the additional stuff is a bunch of visual and editing and structural layout stuff. And it's specifically for sales pages as well. So you don't get just the more in-depth version of what we talked about today, but you also get a bunch of stuff that is specific to higher conversions on sales pages. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't think we'd have time to get to it, and we don't. But um, yeah, and that's just the last part of the book. I mean, it's chock full of value. So listen, you guys, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Just take the gift. Is that right? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. That cliche. Yeah. All right. Well, great. Thank you for... You know, often you play a fly in the wall, but I think you played a really great guest today. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me take the opportunity. And before we're out of here, I'm also going to say, if readers pick this book up, they're going to notice there's a lot of influence from you working with you over the last, what have we been working together, like three years now? Five years. Five years, yeah. Working with you all this time has definitely rubbed off on my insights and my way of writing copy. So if you enjoy this podcast, you're definitely going to enjoy the influences from David in the book as well. And you actually wrote the forward for the book. So I wanted to say thank oh, you. Oh, yeah, for that. I did. All right. Uh, again, David, thank you. And just real quick, I want to plug it. If you do want to get the free copy, head on over to advertisingcheatcodes.com. Sounds good. All right. Well, see you guys next week. All right. See you later, David. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.